BeastNet podcast, sponsored in part by James Safety Services, OCR Buddy, and supported by the fitness community. Here we discuss all things fitness-related, running, rucking, mental health and preparedness, and of course, obstacle course racing. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here on BeastNet, and today I got with me Nate. Um, Nate, how you doing? Good, good. It's uh, sunny and warm in Hawaii, like always. Yeah, well, I'll be there in, well, I'll be in Maui in four weeks, and then I'll be in Oahu in five, so, because I'm coming over for the Spartan races again, but I'm taking a week in Maui beforehand. (laughs) Well, hopefully we won't have a hurricane this year that doesn't show up. Hopefully, but yeah, (laughs) I'll be honest, that was probably my favorite trip to Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many people that are like, really, you were there during a hurricane? I'm like, it really never happened. And it was just, it was a fun time because there was no races. There was nothing. You couldn't really go to any of the outings. So it was just hanging out and and enjoying the people. You know, there was the one really, really drunk night that we ended up with you. And oh, <laughs> that might have been, that might have been my fault. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, it was funny because we were just, I went, we went out to, because Calista was here in uh, Washington so me, Amber, Serena, and everything all met her for, for l- lunch one day. And we were talking about it. And I don't think Serena realized that really when we were at the bar afterwards, I'm like, they were closed. It was just because Nate was friends with them that they let us hang out and drink and like eat. <laughs> Serena's like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the place was closed. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> now. So. No. So how you been? How, how you been doing? Good, good. Uh, been getting back into training cycle again after um, Honu, after Ironman uh, Hawaii 70.3. Um, that went utterly terribly. <laughs> Did it? Well, uh, you finished though, didn't you? Uh, I finished, sort of. Sort of. Um, Technically, I was uh, did not finish because of a uh, swim time cutoff. I managed ah. to swim about 50% farther than I was supposed to, according to my GPS. Yeah. So that you know, might have something to do with it. Probably. Yeah. That's a little bit uh, extra. Yeah. I'm, I swam like almost 3000 yards instead of the like 2000 yards I was supposed to. So. Yeah. Well, that, that could explain the, the time. But. Yeah. I missed the time cut off by like a minute. So. <sighs> but you kept going, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't beyond the time period where they would cut me off of the course. So I made all the other time cutoffs, uh, but it just kind of makes for a, a bad start to a race. Yeah. Um, the bike portion, I did not, I don't know. It was high crosswinds and it was kind of a, a new situation for me because I wasn't really sweating as much as I uh, had realized. Yeah. A lot of it was just evaporating. And um, so I skipped the first uh, aid station on the bike because I carry like a little more than a liter of just water and then uh, liquid nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to the second one. I was like, well, I got like a half a thing full. I, you know, I can make it up to heavy with this and decided to go on. It's like, even if I run out, it shouldn't be that bad. And, in hindsight, what I should have been doing is housing as much of that water as I, I could because by the time I got up to the 30-mile uh, aid station, I was dehydrated, um, uh, not not dying, but, you know, um, just kind of started to turn into a kind of a rough rough waste. And I re- realized that was uh, how dehydrated it was when I drank, like, 
two bottles of water right out off the back. Yeah. Um, and then on the way back down, I started, I was like, that's when I started to feel the effects of the de- dehydration. I was starting to fall asleep on the bike, which is a new situation for me. And it's a very strange situation doing, you know, 30 miles an hour downhill, uh, and <laughs> falling asleep, yeah, uh, trying to, <laughs> but I made it through the bike and, uh, the run, I was just kind of, it was kind of a run, you know, just a rough day at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I can imagine I've been close to that. I mean, you know, when I did the, the trifecta weekend there, um, in 19, that's pretty much how I was. I was after the beast, I was so dehydrated and destroyed that the next day getting up and do the next two races was just, I did it, but it was just like, I don't even remember doing the sprint. Mm-hmm. I was just brain was gone. I was fried, but, and it's that heat, it's a heat and humidity in Hawaii that, that gets you. And I mean, for, you live there, so it's a little different. But I mean, I live in in Washington. We have somewhat of the humidity, but usually not the heat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that caught me a little off guard this year, this past year, and I was uh, a little disappointed in that. But you, you know, you you learn from it, move on with your day, and look towards next year. Um, look towards yeah. things I can learn for. I've got a, a Ironman Michigan seventy point three coming up in mid September. Um, I've got a team w, team RWB expedition uh, in the Grand Canyon. We're running from. Uh, Oh, was it um, in South Kebab down to Ribbon Falls and then back out uh, Bright Angel? Oh, nice. Uh, that'll be about a 50K or so. Um, so I'm training up for that. A lot of elevation uh, trail running on the weekends right now. Um, yeah, and that's what gets you, that elevation. Yeah. <laughs> I did that a couple of weeks ago in an event we call here, the Sisu. It's a 24-hour event up in the trails. And I think I did – I ended up at 30 miles and 6,000 feet elevation – but it was 110 degrees here that weekend. Oof. Yeah. That's a yeah. rough weather for that. It was, it was, it was some rough weather for that, especially for someone who's not used to heat. I mean, it got me, you know, reminded me of, you know, what happens when I'm in Hawaii. So, but which I got coming up here soon. So, yeah. and I'm actually yeah. thinking next year, cause I'm, I'm doing it for my first triathlon this month, uh, but I'm just doing a spray. Um, cause I really, I, my biggest worry is to swim. I'm not a good swimmer. So I've been practicing a lot of the swimming. Um, but I, I'm thinking I might, if I don't do the 70.3 in Washington here this year, I may choose to do Hawaii next year. And instead of doing Spartan Hawaii next year, I may do Ironman Hawaii instead. Well, if that's the choice you make, you should, uh, get on the registration soon. Cause it's already in tier four, uh, registration for their sell their sales. So it'll sell out pretty quick here. Yeah, no, I need to get on that. Too, so, <laughs> I got I got to convince the wife though because the the cost. But <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's the hard part is I've been doing the Spartans for so long. I always got them free, but this year is like the last year. I'm like I'm not volunteering. I'm not doing any of that. So I'm like I'm gonna run. I run out of free races. My last three are in Florida. I'll be doing the December race Spartans in Florida, and then after that, I don't have any free races. And I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do after that. I don't know if I'm gonna keep doing you know keep. I'm not gonna go for as many Spartans as I have been. It's gonna pretty much that's gonna tail off, and then I'm gonna start looking at, I mean Ironman stuff like that because I want new challenges. It's I mean that's more or less how I ended up in triathlons anyway. Um, I was looking for a training program that was less abusive on my body. I was running about 180 miles a month, um, and it was just. It's not, it wasn't undoable for me at the time. It just, it's a lot of impact and a lot of work, um, on your body. And so I started finding a, um, a training program that integrated a lot of uh, stationary bike. And then one thing led to the other. And next thing you know, I'm doing triathlon triathlons. Um, yeah. just so you know, like, F, like as far as triathlons go though, it's, 
I love the sport. Um, you don't have to be an exceptionally strong swimmer, and that's typically a lot of people's weak spot because you find, I think, a lot more runners and cyclists that get into it. Yeah. Uh, then you do find swimmers that get into um, biking and running in their spare time. Um, yeah, I can see it's, that. The longer events, you know, it's it's more about just just keep moving, uh, and, and you'll get through it. Thing that I've really been in my training because my biggest problem is is the breathing. I'm just I I'm a self-taught swimmer. I pretty much just jumped in the water and started swimming and figured it out. So I'm not good at the breathing. I would like hold my breath and breathe like every 10th stroke. See, so then um, by like the third one, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, just like, honestly, like I, right now, um, I'm not in any sort of like good swimming shape in the last year. Um, so I, I take about a breath, a stroke, uh, a stroke set. Yeah. Um, and I'm fine with that. I'm comfortable with that. It's, you're not, you're not sitting in the Olympics, you know, I'm not, no. I'm not going to podium at, uh, you know, an Ironman. Um, well, so and for I found me, too, just getting that comfort zone is, is real yeah. uh, easy for the swim. Then. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I've been doing a lot of open water. I haven't been in a pool at all because I can't find any pools around here that are open. So I've just been doing a lot of open water and cold, a cold lake that we have here. Um, but one thing that I've worked on a lot is like the normal crawl stroke I can do for a bit. But then when I get tired, I have it, the, the side stroke is my secondary. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the side stroke, what was funny is the person that's been helping me learn to swim. She's like, you're almost faster in the side stroke than you are in the crawl. And I'm like, yeah, but I wear my, I can only do one. Sounds bad. I can only do one side. So my, my right arm gets really tired really quick, but, but it's a good secondary where if I'm having problems breathing, I know I have that to go to, to get my, get my breathing back. And I can also do the breaststroke. So that, that's actually one of the things that happened to me during the swim is, um, I couldn't get my goggles to seal real well during about three quarters of it. So I ended up most of it. I was doing side stroke anyway. Um, and one of the things I will like, there's a lot of value in learning different types of strokes of triathlons. Um, you don't know what the race day condition is going to be, um, especially in open water. Uh, if open water, you have surf coming in from one side, it may be better for you to, to side stroke the whole thing. Um, especially if you're not comfortable with bilateral breathing and, um, front crawl. Yeah. Um, the tricky thing with that is when you, if, if it's an out and back or you make a turn, then you got to reevaluate <laughs> which side you're breathing on. Um, yeah. but you know, it's, you get comfortable with it and, and work with it and work with what you have. And I think that's a big thing. That's one thing I really learned over the last year is like with my, I mean, my fitness journey of trying to lose weight and all that stuff and all the running is I stopped looking at what other people are doing and trying to emulate it. It was more of, I don't need to do what that person's doing. I need to find out how to do this in the best way that I can for me. You know, and I see that with a lot of people. They're like, what shoes are you wearing? What are you doing? I'm like, I have these shoes because I went and had them checked. My, my running stride checked. I had all this checked. And these are the shoes that they said were good for me. You know, I ended up switching about halfway through the year because after losing the weight, I was having issues with the pair of shoes I was wearing. And what's funny is actually losing the weight, my foot got smaller. So I had to go to a smaller shoe size. So it's one of those things you have to keep evaluating as you go, because as you, your fitness changes, what you use can change too. And I think a lot of people are so stuck on having the next best thing or what this person, this athlete's wearing or whatever, that it's like, no, find what works for you. Oh, that's one of my, my favorite things I see at uh, marathons all the time. So I see people in the, uh, the, you know, the Nike, uh, one percent sub two setup, you know, and it's like in order to really capitalize on that, you need to be running about a sub eight minute mile on average um, to really yeah. capitalize on that. Um, if you're running slower than that, like, yeah, there's some benefit, but really at some point in time, it, it starts to 
your cadence doesn't like your cadence and your body mechanics don't work well for that. Yeah. Um, and they're designed for certain uh, me- mechanics uh, with that shoe. So, and it's, it's great that you found that out early on. Cause um, man, that, that took me probably a couple of years of, of running to figure out. Well, um, I'd figured out the shoe part a while back uh, when I was running about 10 years ago. Um, I almost quit because I just kept getting horrible shin splints. Um, and I was wearing Nikes because you know, that's what you're supposed to do is wear the Nikes, you know, just do it. Um, and I went to, I was like, I can't do this. And it was like two weeks before my, my first half marathon. And I went to a running store that I, I don't think is even there anymore. It was close by the house I used to live at. And I was doing, I was like, I need help, you know, and asked them. And luckily the owner was an actual marathoner. And he's like, well, let me look at this. And he was talking to me and he was showing me and everything else. And he was like, you're wearing the wrong shoe. Like, what do you mean? I've got Nikes. These are supposed to be the best. He's like, no, you should really be wearing this shoe. And like showed me a Pearl Izumi. And I'm like, never even heard of these. And actually, I don't even think they make them anymore. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen them in a while. But he had me a Pearl Izumi. And I'm like, okay. And they were like, I don't know if they're in the running shoe uh game anymore but they're still a big cycling and triathlon name okay yeah but they were they were definitely it was a running shoe and i'm like okay i'll try it um and literally bought them a week before i was supposed to do a half marathon yeah and i had i ran like twice and then i went into the half marathon and not an issue with my legs at all and i'm like this is amazing you know and it really showed me and after that i became a real believer in going to just making sure that I had the right shoe for me, but then it, it kind of went that way with everything. You know, I kind of look at, you know, the right, you know, headphones, the right, I mean, picking not just what other people were wearing, but looking at why would it benefit me to have this, you know? Yeah. And I found yeah. that's the best. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I get that question a lot um, from some of my friends and other friends in running groups. Like, oh, what, you know, what, what do you think the best shoe is? And that that's the reality of it. There's, there's not like running equipment is, I mean, all athletic equipment now is so diverse that, it's a matter of fitting, finding what fits you well and what you can use effectively Yeah. Um, at the end of the day. And I think that's probably the, the if I were to go back to 2015, when I got back into running, if I would have, could tell myself one thing that that would be it very early on. And that's the thing I think I, so. if I could go back and tell myself anything about any of this, it's like, find the equipment that works for you. Don't just look at what everybody else is wearing and go with it. You know, and sometimes it has to change. Like my, I'll be honest. I have a whole bunch of shoes upstairs for OCR. I have innovates that because I loved them. But then after my foot injury, I kept trying to wear them and I just couldn't because my foot's wider now because of the, the injury and innovates are very narrow. So I had to switch to the ultras. And now that I'm wearing the ultras, I'm not getting the fame. My, my foot isn't falling asleep while I'm, you know, doing an, an OCR race. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is a new feeling. I can feel it. You know? So it's, <laughs> It's one of those, it's always adjusting. And I think that's one of the big problems is people either look at what other people have or they get so stuck on one thing that they're like, this is what I've used. This is what I've always used, you know, and it's, I hear it with nutrition, everything. I mean, I've got my crazy things I do for nutrition, you know, but that's changed. It used to be honestly before a race, it was the night before I had a steak and a, a steak and a whiskey and Coke. That was my night before. Now it's, you know, I, I'm a little less whiskey and a little less steak the night before and more kind of. <laughs> carb loading but you know you know sports dietetics is an interesting subject in general um one of my good friends is a sports dietitian and it's and it's interesting because like that field in itself is so diverse in the manner that like uh, similar to like normal dietetics at this point in time it's like even within the community they can't really come to general consensus on on what the right decision is um for race strategies 
Um, and it, 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 uh, it all kind of comes down to a lot of experiment and figuring out like, Hey, what, um, what sits well in your stomach? What works well? You know, are you getting your enough, uh, whole foods, um, as far as your, what you're eating? Um, and, and those are the big picture things, but it's, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. Right. And it it's, is. it's back to that fundamental rule. Like you don't, you don't change the plan on uh, game day. You know, it's, no. you know, what works the no. night before. Um, that's fine. And, and I, I made that mistake where all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try this on the day of the race. And then all of a sudden about halfway through the race, your stomach's like, Hey, you should have done that. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I've been there on that one, but it is, it is, it's one of those things that changed over time too. I mean, I had my, I I'm still one. And a lot of people think, think I'm horrible for this. I won't eat the morning up. I don't usually eat the morning of either. I don't and eat it's, the morning up. It's not usually that I, I can't, my stomach can't do it. It's just usually, um, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a rush. And if I do, it's just something very minimal to get into my stomach. Like I'll have like maybe a banana or a half a bagel or yeah. just, just something to like kind of process. Actually, one of my favorite things to eat, like right the morning of uh, a race is uh, chocolate covered uh, coffee beans. Nice. Yeah. They're yeah. just like maybe a handful of them. It's great. Nice. Just get something yeah, in your stomach, a little sugar, a little caffeine. I just, I'm one of those ones. I'll drink a coffee beforehand. Um, usually maybe a coffee with a protein shake in it. And because that's what I use as my sweetener now, I'll use pro- coffee with protein shake. And that's usually it before a race. But then if it's a longer race, I'll have a, a protein puck or two in my pack. And I'll eat those. Like when I did the marathon, I had a protein <laughs> puck about halfway through. So that's, that's one of the things with my nutrition plans that have changed over the years. Actually, I started out with a lot of um, gels um, mm-hmm. just because that was what was available on the course. I would start out with, I think, Powerade gels. And yeah. um, I'm kind of lucky because I still have kind of a cast iron stomach and they don't bother me. Um, and it took me a while to find a gel that I was really happy with. And I've been very happy with Huma um, mm-hmm. with the electrolytes. And I just it's a organic chia based supplement. Um, but what's actually what I'm even more happy with is when I start running, when you start doing trail events, um, especially like the Hawaii ultra running uh, team out here. Um, and even when I did the American river 50 miler, right. Um, that's one of my favorite things about those events is when you come into an aid station, it's not like you're just kind of Joe Schmo that's there to run the race. Those are much smaller races. And when you come in, it's, you know, it's like, you're the all-star there, right. You come in, there's like, oh, you just just take your vest off. We'll get your water and everything. You put an electrolytes in it. Where are they? Go get some food, right? And and it's great, and it's a, it's a blast there. I you know I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on um on on the race course. Oh yeah. Um, and a little bit of vegetable stock or chicken stock. It's a really good late in the uh um late in the miles. Um, and it's interesting because my my nutrition plans have changed over the years as I've started to race longer and longer events, uh, because I've had yeah. to adapt it more. Um. Because what I what I will eat for a marathon, which maybe takes you know five hours at most, six hours if you're you know really dawdling behind for me right now. But like, um, what I'll eat for that because like I don't, my body's not going to crave like solid food. It's not going to get hungry yeah. later in the day. But like during that fifty miler, oh yeah, <laughs> I ran through about a checkpoint about mile thirty seven, and someone had brought mcdonald's cheeseburgers for one of the racers and i was like that's the most delicious smelling thing i gotta get out of here right now <laughs> yeah so oh yeah that that was that was me doing the sisu i mean it was only 30 miles just because of the heat but it was i had made uh one of my favorite things that i eat a lot is i make wraps which is really it's just like the freaking laughing cow like spreadable cheese on a tortilla with lunch meat roll that thing up and then I, that's my quick grab. I can grab it even while I'm running. So if I'm doing a long event, that's usually what I'll have in my pack. That and like I said, the protein pucks because I like the they're just quick, easy something I can grab. Um, 
yeah, like I said, when I did the marathon in June, that's all I had with me was a protein pucks. And I didn't even bring, because I knew that marathon, I knew there was a hydro, hydro station every three miles mm-hmm. that I didn't bring a pack. All I brought was like one little pouch that I could keep the protein pack in my phone. In. Yep. So you'll find that with most road races. That's one of the things that's interesting about road races to me is uh, you'll find the eight stations are usually right about every three miles. And there's a fundamental basis off of that, that um, they look at the time that the elites are going to run and how much hydration they need for that, that event, basically. <clears throat> and if you look at it, like, you know, like we get some of the, the world's best out here in Honolulu um, for the chase and, you know, guys like Kapoge are going to run, you know, like a five minute mile all day, <laughs> every yeah. day, easy, it's if crazy. not faster. Right. And just cruise to that. So, I mean, if you look at how much time they're going between having like a little bit of water, it's, you know, maybe eight to 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. That, that's not a long time to go out without water, but for, for those of us who are not running, <laughs> you know, Olympic, uh, speeds, um, that couple of miles is considerably longer and, um, it, it's something to consider, but that's, that's something that's always nice to rely upon on, uh, road races. Whereas I've run trail races, which, um, um, I ran a 22 mile trail race with one aid station. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that all the way at the 11 more. mile turnaround. <laughs> I've heard that about uh, a few of them. So, um, that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's like the one I did the Sisu. They they're flat out and they they let you know there are no aid stations. It's yep. all self, you know, you you take care of yourself. Self-supported, so yep. Any mistakes that I had, that was my fault. I knew it was self-supported and you know, but I went out with 2 liters of water thinking I'm fine. And 15 miles in 110 degree heat when you come out of 10 miles of that was with no tree cover. I was out of water long before I got back. You know, and that was my own fault because I knew I was self-supported and I didn't do it right. But, you know, like I said on the one um the one race I did, it was every three miles and, but it was a rainy day, which most people say, Oh, that's horrible. I'm like, no, it was beautiful. I loved it. It was a nice rainy, kept me cool the whole time. Just rain. Not enough that I was, I mean, I was soaked by the end from sweat and rain, but it was enough to keep, to cool me down the whole time. So, and I mean, I, I beat my, I beat my best time by a long shot. So, I mean, I was, I, when I was signed up for that race, I said, I was my, I thought I was going to be about six hours on my marathon. I was 439. So nice. I was a little faster than I thought. But. Yeah. 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 yeah actually, was, I mean, okay. that, that's kind of some lessons learned that I picked up during Ragnar, uh, which was really kind of my first self-supported um, mm-hmm. multi-segment races, which is kind of interesting because you, uh, um, they don't really have aid stations no. at all. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and it's just like what you have with you. And it's, I mean, between the two ones, like the, the trail events, you know, you, you can make a lot fewer events because or mistakes because you have, you know, maybe maybe a six mile loop if you're, lo- you know, at the longest, mm-hmm. right? So if you're out there for an hour and a half, it's not the end of the world, no. right? Um, but when I did the uh, road race, the only road race on uh, in Hawaii did, um, my first segment was eleven point nine miles, and most of that was no van support, self supported, um, no like no shoulder on the on the roads. It was it was a long uphill, about 2000 feet of elevation in the middle of the day under the hot cone, like he actually was Hilo side. So Hilo sun, um, that was a rough segment for me. That sounds rough. That that definitely sounds rough. And see, I wouldn't mind doing some of those. I want to do, I want to do Ragnar. I missed the one over here. Um, and then the one, of course they have the trail race, but I'll be in Hawaii. So I'm missing that one. And then they have another one, but that's also in the same day. I'm going to be down at another race in uh, Bend, Oregon. So, it's like, eh. so next year I'm hoping to do Ragnar here, but we'll see. So. Yeah. I mean, 
like I'm a little bummed that Ragnar's not in Hawaii anymore. Um, and I, I get why they're not. It was they were struggling for a profit time. Uh, and I'm from a, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you know their business and they're trying yeah. to make money. But when all of your racers come within, you know, come from outside of 50 miles because you're running a race on an island that is 50 miles away from anything, you know, there's not going to be a lot of volunteers. No. Um, so they ended up, I'm pretty sure they ended up having to pay people for, to help support some of the aid stations and things like that. And uh, they didn't get the volunteer cap- capacities that they wanted. And I could see that, like you said, it's one of those that, you know, I mean, when you're on Hawaii, I mean, it's one thing I'm sure, you know, some of the other races struggle with is getting the, the, the volunteers. Cause most people that are going there for the race are going to race, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally you can get someone who's going to do one of the races and decides to volunteer during the others. But, you know, like for me, I'm going there and I'm doing all three. I'm doing the I'm doing the trifecta weekend again, because yep. um, I want to actually finish it, not just I want I want to destroy it, not just like finish it because I'm in a, as a zombie because I'm fried from two days of doing it. But you know, and that's just it. It's it's hard to get those volunteers because, like I said, most people are just like, oh yeah, I'm here to race. I'm not here to to volunteer. So it, it'll be interesting. So I'm gonna I'm wondering what it's gonna be like this year. But like I said, I kind of want to do the. I think next year I'm, I'm going to focus more on the Ironman and some of the, the the local races. I think, well, a lot of that depends too. This is my first triathlon. I'm I'm thinking I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to be okay with it, but this is the first time I've done it. So the bike riding. Um, big picture triathlons are simple. I mean, don't drown, yeah. don't crash, don't trip. Yeah, pretty much. No. I mean, I figured the three-mile runs I've got down. The one thing I've done though is I, I'd never done the brick before. Um, and going from the bike to, and I did it the other day for the first time. Usually I do one or the other during the day. I usually don't do both. And the other day I'm like, well, let's see what we can do. And I only did like a six mile bike ride and it came back and I went to run and my legs are like, <laughs> just did not want to work right. I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be the weird part, the transition from the bike to the, the, the run. So two it's things not- about, uh, yeah, oh. two things about that is, uh, with a sprint distance triathlon, that's a lot more important. Those brick workouts are way more important because, that adjustment period between uh, bike and run or between uh, swim and just getting vertical to get your, to transition one, um, you're at such a short distance that you really don't have time to get settled anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, when I did my, the one sprint I've done uh, sprint distance triathlon, um, it was very strange. Cause by the time I was settled swimming, it was like, Oh, swim legs done time to get up. And by the time I felt settled on the bike, Oh, headed back into transition two. Yep. Uh, and, and for that matter, I don't really like, I'm not real partial to sprint triathlons just because I don't, I have trouble getting settled amongst that. Um, and that's my problem that I'm having it. Cause I figured out when I've gone for the swim, it's that first 15 minutes where I have problems. And then I kind of settle in after that first 15 minutes. And that's kind of what I feel like on the sprint. It's going to be like, okay, I'm settled. Oh, we're done. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's going to be my issue, but it was one of those, I didn't want to jump straight into a 70.3. I figured I'd do a sprint first, try it out. I, I, I mean, I, my first one was an Olympic, uh, and it was abnormal because it was the race to base out here. So it starts on one side of the Island and then, uh, you bike up H3 and back down H3. Um, so up and over a mountain, which is abnormal for a triathlon to begin with. Yeah. And then you run your 10 K on the other end of the Island. And anyway, you slice it. Even if you do the sprint, you're still doing a long cycle segment. Yeah. Um, because of that, it was not, I really enjoyed that because like I said, I got, that's about the right distance I need for, to get settled into things uh, and get comfortable. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the other thing too, is I think once, if I decide I really enjoy this, I may go for a better bike, um, stuff like that. Like the bike that I have, it's pretty much Amber's dad is insane about bicycles. He just buys random bikes at garage sales and then 
fixes them all up and then in a sometime this summer he'll probably have a garage sale and sell them all it's just a weird thing that he does so i just found one of the ones that he had that i, I like and it's a nice track um it doesn't I, it doesn't hunch over but i have issues with my back hunching over like that so i i, I would rather sit up straight for now but I have a feeling that after a while, once I get used to it, I may want to start hunching over. But. So um, that's one of those big myths about uh, triathlons is you, you do not need a, a super expensive, yeah. um, fancy triathlon bike to do triathlons. Um, that's now, the, the longer distance that you get into, the more it's recommended. Um, by the time you like, if you're going to do a full a full Ironman, you probably should have one, right? Just because the the sheer amount of energy savings that you have uh, on those bikes is significant. Um, but when you're at the shorter distances, even up to a, a half Ironman, I see a lot of people with road bikes with just clip-on aero bars, um, and, mm-hmm. and that works fine for them. Yeah, and that was it. For me, it's just I found one of the ones he had that was comfy that I enjoyed. Um, I was going to actually switch to one of the other ones he had, and then uh, Serena's wife, Chris, showed up and bought it from him. So <laughs> I was like, that's the one I wanted, Chris. Well. <laughs> But so, but so yeah. But I, I like the Trek when I have, and I honestly, actually, I looked at it. It's actually one of the ones you'd be surprised. Some of the bikes he has out there are actually worth some money. I'm like, how much did you pay for this? He's like twenty bucks. I'm like, okay. I mean, he's got a couple out there that I've looked at. And I've looked them up. I'm like, yeah, this is like a five or six hundred dollar bike. So, but yeah, when I signed up for Ironman Texas, which is still on my radar, signed up in 2019 and to run it in 2020, and that, that got canceled. Then 2021 got diverted over. And that's where it's staying right now. But I'd already deferred to 2022 because of uh, some of my work requirements as far as um, travel stipulations. <laughs> but uh, when I signed up for that, I actually started looking for a, a new bike that fit me better. Um, that was triathlon specific. And that's how I ended up spending $7,000. <laughs> <That's laughs> I think the wife would shoot me. <laughs> so that's your biggest uh, thing. You're like, you got into the Spartan and it was expensive. And now all of a sudden you're going to triathlon and you're buying all this stuff. And now that's expensive. Cause I have the, the tri suit, you know, just because a transition when you're switching over, I mean, I want to be, I, you don't want to get naked. I mean, nobody wants to see that. Well, it's actually um, against the course rules. Yeah. Is it to get um, naked? Yep. Yeah. It's the fastest way. It is the, um, I don't want to say the easiest way to get disqualified, but it's, it's, but it's the most certain way to get disqualified. Definitely. Definitely. Nobody wants to see that. Um, so, so yeah, I got the tri suit, but then of course I have a wetsuit because we're in Washington and all the water here is cold. Um, so, and I've been practicing in both of those. I've been making sure when I run, when I bike, when I, anything I put on the tri suit to get used to that, you know, that feeling. The only problem I have is I feel like I've gained some weight since I bought it. So I need to, yeah. So I feel like two pounds of sausage in a one pound bag. So I got to figure that out. But, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I do a little bit of work in my tri suits and then put them away and, and just train normally. So I well, like. That was some... it. I just wanted to try it out for a bit. And I, I, I haven't been using. I've used it when I swim, but I, I haven't. I've only used it a couple of times when I ran and bike, just to kind of get used to it, make sure it was, you know, I was going to be able to wear it. I didn't yep. want to, you know, go on the day of, put it on, and be like, oh, this is horrible. The simple, yeah. the simple solution for the swim with the, a wetsuit is go on like Amazon. And find like a cheap set of um, tri shorts. You can probably find them for like twenty bucks. Uh, and get like a pair of those, and then you can just wear those up to the uh, the wetsuit and reduce the wear and tear on your expensive tri suit. Yeah, um, that's not a bad idea. So, I know like the wetsuit, even I, it's just a cheap wetsuit that I spent fifty bucks on. I, I bought it off Amazon. It's just a cheap, you know, shorty yep. because you know I don't like the long ones anyway. So it's a shorty wetsuit. You know, just something comfy that I mean I, it would help keep me a little warm because i mean the water is cold but i mean 
I'm not going to be in it for an hour. So, you know, I just need to make sure that it keeps me a little warm while I swim. On the bright side, if you uh, do Hawaii, if you uh, race Hawaii, um, it's all Hawaii, all Hawaii triathlons are no wetsuit allowed. So. Oh, but why? Because, well, no, I'm, I get that because I've been in the water in Hawaii. You don't need a wetsuit. <laughs> it, yeah. it comes up. It comes up in forums a lot. Is it going to be wetsuit legal? It's like, um, first off, the rules say no wetsuits because it's Hawaii. Second off, the water's <laughs> going to be warm enough. You're not going to need it. Yeah, I've never even I've never even thought of a wetsuit in Hawaii. Who's like, oh, I'm going to go in the water in Hawaii. I need a wetsuit. Well, I mean, it's a salt, it's it's an open ocean swim, so you have, it's salt water, so you have buoyancy there, plus the wetsuit buoyancy, um, plus there is um, with the tri specific and swim specific wetsuits, there is an added um, hydrodynamics that um, yeah. that you will be a little faster. Um, for most amateurs, I don't feel like it's significant. Um, for some of the people who are trying to compete for uh, Kona slots. Yeah, that might that might be the difference between you know your Kona slot and not. So. Yeah, I can see that. So I can see that. Like I said, I definitely want to do an. I definitely want to do one over there. I, I want to do some more over there. So I'm still Amber. Still wants to live there. She's I think looking a little more towards Texas because of prices. But but you know Hawaii is still her dream. So totally fine. If we move to Hawaii, you need to get us both better drops because it's it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with my degree in safety and everything else, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were going to, someone was going to ask you and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a triathlon. What would be your your advice to a newbie? I would pull the trigger, register for it, and, and just do it. Um, yeah. You don't you don't need a, a crazy bike setup, um, especially if you're going to do like a, a sprint just to see if you like it, right? You know, um, you don't have to be the most... Uh, you don't have to be the fastest swimmer out there. Um, I would say you want to be a little bit comfortable in the water so that you're not like, you know, you don't want to have a panic attack. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I'm still a slow swimmer. Uh, I, I stick usually, I usually swim a little bit farther because I stick to the outside of turns away from the crowds towards the back of my starting, starting heat. If I can just, just cause that way I don't have, have to worry about people swimming over me or things like that. I usually get caught by the uh, women's heats behind me. Um, I'm fine with that. I'll catch them all on the bike anyway. So, and that's kind of my plan is I'm going to go for the outside and stay towards the back because it's my first one. I don't want to, you know, and that's what I hear the the horror stories from everyone of, oh my God, I got this, you know, they, they ran over me and I and almost drowned me. And I'm like, oh, oh, you know, for someone who's not a strong swimmer, I'm like, ah. So that was kind of my, what someone else told me, stay towards the back and uh, off to the side and you'll be fine. I'll say it has gotten a lot better um, in triathlons across the, the whole as a whole, because, uh, what they've gone away from is the shotgun starts like that with the exception of Kona. Um, a lot of them have gone over to, uh, especially the larger events have gone over to a staggered start. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all based off the chip time then. Um, so you only have like three or four people starting at a, you know, every five seconds or something like that. So it spreads the pack out a lot more and, um, you, you have to worry about that a lot less. God, I hope that, I hope this one I do does that. Cause that's, that's smaller. Smaller ones, a lot of times they'll do a shotgun start because it's a smaller heat and they can do it. But just, you know, stick to the back of the when you start and run your race. And I've seen plenty of people on a bike with the kind of the typical like hybrid, you know, gravel bike where it's just kind of fat tires and a, a normal straight bar handlebar. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, I have friends that have done that and they enjoyed it and they had, had a great time with it. And I mean, that's, I think that's, that's why most of us race anyway. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's a, maybe 10% of the race is going to be really super competitive about things, but like, depending on the race, but 
you know, the amount of time and effort for me to, to try to qualify for something or podium uh, on a lot of the events that I'm in is, is significant. I, I don't have that uh, to be yeah. time to do that and work a full-time job and take care of my dog and, and the other things in life that I try to do. Um, it just, it's not going to work. So, I mean, yeah. I would just say, you know, go, go out there, sign up, right. Put your training in and, and have fun with it. Um, Which honestly is kind of what I did. I just kind of signed up for it and been like, this is what I'm going to do. And after I signed up for it, what do I need to do this now that I've signed up for it? So, cause it's, it's been on my bucket list for years and I keep telling myself, I'm going to do one. I'm going to do one. I'm going to do one, but I never. So finally I saw this one pop up and I'm like, Hey, I'm signing up. Oh, you, you also don't really need the, the crazy tri suits either. No. Um, you're definitely, it's definitely within the rules to, uh, do like a surfer change. So if, as long as you have like a changing towel, you can change it to that real quick. Um, yeah. well, that's pretty simple. I or just, just get like a kilt. I wanted to look cool, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's why I got my team RWB one eventually. Yeah. See, I've been talking because we have a whole bunch of stuff like beast. Now we have a bunch of stuff from legend born and I've had legend born on. And I'm like, when are you making a tri suit? <laughs> <So. laughs> it's a whole different animal for most companies. It is. It it's is. I mean, they animal. do the, the, cause they do the jerseys and I mean, I'll tell you my legend born Jersey. I love it. So I was talking to, um, we have, we're, we're fortunate out here. We have a gentleman named uh, Dr. Michael Garrison. Some of your viewers may have heard of him. Um, he's a, a longtime distance runner and endurance community athlete, um, racing full distance Ironmans back when it was, you know, uh, Speedos and tank tops <laughs> Yeah, was, was what they had. Um, that just sounds uncomfortable because nobody wants to see me in a Speedo and a tank top. But that's what they had, and that was what was yeah. available, and that was what was effective. It was before all the new yeah. textiles came out and – uh, before you had the uh, the nice chamois and the and the bike shorts and whatnot. Yep. Um, so nice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to being in Hawaii. And when I'm in Hawaii, we've got to have a drink. Definitely, so, definitely. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because actually the the kid's gonna be with me too. So because this was supposed to be his right, graduation slash 18th birthday present last year. So <laughs> so we're, we're definitely gonna. It's going to have some fun, but I get to go see Maui. I haven't been to Maui since I was 18, so I'm sure it looks the same. It's just an island, but it's not uh, a lot of things that change there. Actually, there are two new locations of Waikiki Brewing Company out there. Oh, so which Waikiki Brewing Company? That's where we hung out. That yep. was... It is one of the fastest growing breweries on the island. Uh, they now have four locations amongst the island, and I, th- I think they were looking at a fifth possibly. Nice. So yeah. Waikiki is a good, beer, good, good brewing company. They have good food and good beer. So, all right on. Well, it's been good talking to you. Is there anything else you wanted to say to the listeners? No, I mean, to well, Hawaii, enjoy it. Yeah, come to Hawaii. If you get a chance to race here, it's a great place to race. If you're ever questioning, like, I don't know, should I do this? So, you know, am I going to have fun with it and I'm enjoying it? If you're, if you're questioning it, just pull the trigger and enjoy it, yeah. right? Uh, do the train. That's that's how I got into ultra marathons. That's how I got into long distance triathlons. It's, you know, at some point in time, you just pull the trigger and say, you know what, I'm going to do it. And if I succeed, great. And if I don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, hopefully I'll have fun and enjoy it. And that's really the important part. Yeah. And learn from it and learn what I need to do next time. That was kind of my thing. It was one of those. I knew if I just kept telling myself someday, 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 I was never going to do it. So it was finally like, I'm just pulling trigger. So now that I've signed up for it, I kind of have to do it. So <laughs> it's not someday. Now it's, you know, July 25th. Yep. There's a day. That's the someday. So, but yeah, right on. Well, like I said, it was great talking to you and I will hopefully see you in about a month. Best of luck on your uh, try, and I'll see you in about a month. All right. I'll see you later, Nate. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. 
Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet Podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear.